You are listening to the Light Over Time podcast with David Sargent and Corey Bartos. It is May 29th, 2023. How you doing, bud? Tired, but I'm all right. How you doing? Right on. I'm good. What are you drinking? Last week, I roasted this Dominican Republic two different times. Both roasts are fantastic. Little cherry, actually a lot of cherry, big, like, boomy cherry right up front transitions into this like exquisite chocolate not super smooth but actually like really vibrant it's wonderful dominican republic always has something nice nice i spent my entire weekend uh doing a ton of espresso over at evan's house and uh really dialed in that francis and francis better than i have before uh a three to one ratio kind of crushing it i was normally doing a two to one on that thing which didn't yield a ton of coffee obviously because it's a seven gram basket which is oh yeah uh (laughs) a pain in my butt seven Um, gram wow but uh yeah knocked out some really really good stuff with that guatemala and that peru and probably some of the best espresso i've ever pulled in that machine so nice I mean, yeah, between Guatemala and Peru, you're not expecting a ton of like vibrant, juicy fruitiness. And when you're on the other end of that spectrum, I, I tend to think espresso gets easier to try to try to make a successful shot. So, yeah, I could see both, that. Yeah, both were pretty, uh, pretty chocolatey. The yeah. Peru, um, the notes on it are red fruit and chocolate. And yeah. it was a, it was a little sweeter than the Guatemala. Um, the Guatemala was a little bit nuttier, but it's it made amazing lattes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, excellent weekend for that. Um, what have you been shooting? Oh, basically, um, all week I geared up for a wedding. And I was shooting a wedding from about 11 to about 9.30, 9.45 p.m. Uh, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday? Today's Monday. Yeah, so Saturday night. So two, day, two days ago. Um, longtime friends. Uh, they were actually my, I believe first paid clients ever for any kind of work ever. Um, and I still love the shots we got then. It was one of those um, kind of like, uh, it's disgusting out, but let's go have fun anyway type of shoots with a couple. And it was kind of, I think their engagement uh, photos, if I remember correctly, and they still love the photos. And I look back at them every once in a while. We were on the, the pier in Petoskey, and it was not stormy out, but very windy. So if you've seen that pier before, the wind and water n- knocks waves against the pier and just like water cascades way over your head. And it's a little dangerous um, if you're not paying attention. We went out there for a couple of minutes just for the photos, got some f- pretty awesome photos um, for what would have been 2012 at the time, I believe. And um, came away with some really, really fun shots. Um, By today's standards, I probably would look at those and go, oh, I wish we could do that again. But they were my first paid clients ever. That means a lot to me that they wanted me back. We shot that wedding. Um, I gave them a couple more hours than we agreed to just because I was having fun with it. And uh, they mean a lot to me. So I had a great time. And I'm sitting on about 5,000 images to call. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, nice. Very nice, man. Um... Yeah, I've uh, I didn't shoot a ton for work this week. I was gearing up for a sale and a giveaway and some other stuff. And Instagram hates us, so that's kind of uh, ruined my giveaway. I gotta uh, try and fix that tomorrow. So I've been really stressed out about that. But I did get about a little bit and uh, was testing the teleconverter some more, um, trying to do some black and white stuff. Uh, you know, I made a little bit of content with some coffee. Um, it's been decently fruitful. I tried to relax a lot this weekend. Um, good, 
good. I, I can tell you the uh, the black and white thing is pretty wild. Um, yeah, I I've always been like pretty opposed to it because I think it's goofy and silly. Um, I I've played around with black and white video a little bit. I think I've talked about that before. Sure. Um, I like old black and white movies, so that's fine. Um, but then what I realized while editing a bunch of these things and processing for black and white is just how much of a relationship you can gain from like the luminance values of colors when you use HSL in a black and white process to change stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was sweet. Uh, playing with the reds and skin tones in a way that you wouldn't if it was color, but because it's black and white, you can do so much more for skin texture. And it's just, it's pretty wild. So that's been pretty cool to kind of dig deeper into the relationship between colors and luminance. Yeah. Um, while we're on the topic, before we dig into the meat of this, I would love for you to explain this image, and I'll show it to my camera if people can see it. <laughs> I would. It looks like an hourglass. I don't know exactly what it is because it looks like it probably is pretty close up to something that I just couldn't identify. Would you do me a favor and explain to all of us what this is? Yeah, so that that isn't the image that I chose for the photo share today. That's so, why I uh, asked. I, I yeah. Can, yeah, I can definitely go into it. The So I was uh, staying at Evan and Hope's. They were across the state, and they let me just kind of hang out. They got a nice theater room. I watched The Northman. Fantastic movie. Hmm. Uh, beautiful movie, too. Um, but uh, playing with the teleconverter and shooting some birds outside again. They have some like birdhouses, and there's a lot of nature. I shot a, a bunny rabbit for a little while. Um, played with... Uh, a lot of aperture control with the 70 to 200 um, with this bunny that was just like kind of bopper in our backyard for a while. Sure. And then I realized what's really cool about one, the 70 to 200 has a really close focusing distance and having it on a teleconverter and an APS-C mode, because that's how I was shooting the rabbit. Um, I realized I could like basically walk around and just get like macros from across the room, uh, which was wild. Um, so I started playing with that more and I was just kind of looking around, trying to just pay attention to like what the exposure was doing on different surfaces and things like that. And uh, seeing how the focus actually handled through that teleconverter when it was like, you know, drastic from like three meters to 10 meters walking around this house. And uh, they have this little hourglass on a little spinner. Oh, it is an hourglass. So okay. It is an hourglass. So I was playing with it. <laughs> And it's neat because even up to like, you know, at what is that? 600, 900 uh, um, equivalent, yeah. millimeter focal equivalent, right? Uh, even at like one over, I don't even know, like 800 or something like that, 640 or something. Um, the sand is going fast enough that it has motion blur um, because you're super, super telephoto. And uh, I just, I think I snapped off like two shots but then what I did is I put a bunch of the images into Lightroom and then just made them all black and white and then looked at them that way. And uh, I really liked that one for some reason. I was impressed with the detail that I got from it. Um, sure. It's pretty nice. And uh, I don't really do a whole lot of abstract stuff. I don't play around with that. Yeah. So um, for some reason, I'm incapable of putting a black and white image on Instagram without a white border. Uh, I learned that. <laughs> Um, I think they look like filth uh, <laughs> without a white border. So I, I'm playing with that. I think I got like a, a template as it were, or not, not a template, but guidelines for how I want to do white borders on Instagram. Um, so I'll 
I'd probably play with them a little bit more. But. I tried that for a while, and there's something very fine art feeling about it that I enjoyed, but my my I couldn't develop it as a habit. I did it for like, I don't know, a month, and you'd think after a month it would become habit, but something about that extra process was like, eh, this is work for social media. I don't like it. I don't know. I don't I don't like it on color images. I don't That's care for it on color images, but I, I just like trying to see what a black and white looks like on a grid. It was just killing me. And mm. so I was like, okay, let me try this out. I looked at a bunch of different people who have used white borders in the past. Joe Greer yeah. uh, was one of them who I looked at. And I was trying to figure out like, is there like a like a standard for what people say you should do to and there isn't and some of them look way better than not yeah. i was actually surprised like joe greer basically just adds a, a thin white line to a lot of his nowadays that's what i um, used to do a, a lot of a lot of fuji guys will do one thing or the other but basically the point is i want you to be able to preview the whole image in the grid and not have to click into it um if it can't, and and I do this when I edit anyway, right? So when I'm editing a photo, especially in Photoshop, if I've been doing a lot of touch-ups, I'll back it off a ton, and I'll I'll zoom out to like 10% and look at the image, and then in Lightroom, I'll use I don't know what they call it, the loop or whatever, and like black everything out, make it small, and just like look at it for a second, and then go back into editing it. And I think if the image doesn't say anything to me, like backed out. Like if it doesn't like draw sure. me to be like, what is that? Then I'm, uh, why am I even working on the photo? Yep. Um, if I don't have a reason for it being, you know, there's a couple of things. If it's artsy or if it's something that like evokes something from me that I liked, uh, I will know instantly. Or it's like a product or something like that. Like I'm sharing something to like FYEP for guitar pedals or something. Um, and it's, so it's, those are like my two little, little functions. But, um, I decided on a certain amount of pixels from the edge of whatever the nearest um, like edge is, right? So like on a four by five, the top sides will be that certain distance. And then on like a three, two image or a five, four image, um, uh, it'll be the sets. Yeah. And I think I'm probably just going to stick to that number that I've decided on. And uh, I, I probably won't do it for, everything um, i might try it next time i do landscapes for instance because i, I definitely kind of like that um especially in a carousel make the first one like bordered and then do the like three image panorama through the swipe or something like that i, I, I could see being interesting for me but just trying to find ways that like actually set the image up in the way that i decided to, like I, I meant to take it right of that getting yeah. back to intentionality with photography absolutely which was Kind of where my head was at when I was shooting. There's some other images that I've got. I just haven't posted them or anything yet. Yeah, there's, um, I cannot, and I'm not going to go try and searching now, but if I remember who it is, maybe we can include him in the show notes. There's a photographer, I believe he shoots medium format and it could be like phase one. He does a lot of stuff from the sky with this camera and a lot of landscapes. But what he does for social media, at least on Instagram, that's the only place I see his work. I should go out and look and where else this stuff is. Uh, he sets it up to where the border is kind of curved on the edges. So it's almost got this sort of Polaroid-y feel, but it's very unique to him. But in the bottom, he leaves more space on the bottom for something of a title. 
and maybe of some kind of subtitle or sub descriptor of some kind. So it sets it up very much like you were standing in front of it hung in a gallery with some kind of title card, which I like. I think it's really cool. Um, of course, on Instagram, you're not seeing what the medium format camera he's using is able to give and you'd need to see this hung up in a wall big whatever to to really get the full effect uh, but it is really cool um there's definitely different ways you can set up your artwork on instagram whether it be a thin white border like i was doing at one time or setting up whatever sides um at different proportions um Take a look out there because there's definitely some some artists, not just photographers, who are setting up their artwork like this to make their grids look a little better. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I I was kind of back and forth with how I felt about it. Um, <laughs> I was too, but then, I don't do it anymore. I, <laughs> yeah, and then I finally landed on on something that I kind of liked. So yeah, um, moving right into so the reason I was shooting black and white, if you haven't been listening to the episodes, is uh, we wanted to start doing a photo share some of our listeners i'm actually happy that i think the the couple of listeners i know that have been following along since pretty early um both uh submitted so that was cool um yeah shouts to them i'll get to their images here shortly but uh this month was black and white um i can't remember i think <laughs> there was somebody that was shooting black and white or something like that and that was what made me go okay i'm gonna do this and play around with it um mm -hmm. i had a justification weeks ago and that's lost but the experimentation process <laughs> happened how i wanted it to so the end result was what i was hoping for yeah um so if you're listening there's going to be a link in the show notes to the google drive if you want to take a look at these images um on youtube i'm going to put them up on the screen while this goes through and we'll kind of just talk about these images um he uh david has a copy and i have them and we're just going to kind of poke around um i started with my image because i just uh, i could you know launch by talking about it mm -hmm. um made a lot of espresso this weekend uh so there's this like relatively moody image of me using a what a wdt tool or whatever mm -hmm. um and that crucial crucial component of making a good shot of espresso <laughs> the difference between like having a good shot and not at this point now is literally these tools um all right but are you team be, puck screen no I'm not there yet because oh, I've, okay. I've been neither using am I. Evans. I was hoping yeah. you could convince me. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I've been using Evans setup. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I haven't, I haven't dug into all the components. I'd like to try them. Yeah. Um, I'd like a distributor after the WD. I do have one of those. But, it's nice. Um, and I think it would help. But if you're really careful about how you're distributing with that tool, you don't really need one. That would just make it way faster. Right. The I distributor it, makes it, like it a, so that you don't have to be super careful, and I love that. Yeah, you just kind of stir <laughs> it whip, up. Whip, whip, screw, screw, it. good. Yeah. It's really nice, but uh, I do like to make espresso for the process, so it, it's not a, a hindrance. Yeah. Um, but I had I was shooting some video, and I just stopped, and I was like, I want to get some images. This is literally just my tiny Amaran M9 light from Aperture. Um, yeah, just a 35 mil G Master, and I was wildly happy with how this looked. Yeah, um, I didn't have to uh, basically qualify anything about it. It's really clear to see what's going on. Yeah, um, I titled. Well, I started my caption on Instagram as "Who needs a Zen garden?" Because this <laughs> yeah. is basically like it made what me think that of that. That's me. absolutely true. Uh, yeah. It's pretty good. So, and then you could see kind of the border that I landed on. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I like the image. Um, I like it too. Um, one of the, the first thing that caught my eye was using uh, your composition lined your elements up such that on left and right, there's really nothing to look at. Uh, but going through the image from the bottom to the top, it goes, you've got a strong foreground that's blurry and out of focus uh, that you, you probably were down to F1.4. Is that right? Or yeah, pretty one close. Four, one four one eight, yeah. Yeah. So you've got a nice um, shallow depth of field, but such that the WDTs in focus, the tips of your fingertips, you really, you can see them quite clearly. Uh, everything coffee is in focus, but from the bottom, it's nice and out of focus. So your your eye really starts at the center because there's darkness on the left and right, blurriness on the left and the right. You really lead up from this triangular form on the bottom through up to the center and then back out um, like past your hand. It goes back out of focus. So you use depth of field composition, you know, the line, leading sort of a leading line aspect going through the image. I like it. It's like visual storytelling. It's nice and it's simple. Yeah. yeah, I had I had set it up on a tripod and then I actually spun the um, handle for the portafilter uh, in at twelve, three, six, and nine. Oh, okay. And then I just let it. I I just like kind of knew my frame in my head, and then I was just kind of doing my thing and like going. One of these is going to work out, and I'm not sure which way. Sure. And it hap- it happened in this case to be the nine o'clock. Uh, handle going nine o'clock to where i was standing yeah and i like it i don't know it was, it was super simple it i didn't try too hard to get it to happen but i knew what i wanted for the end result so and you said you were using just one one light did you have house lights on at all uh there's a little bit of ambient light but it's just my tiny little aperture like credit card doing all the work yeah led yeah and i i treated it like a human subject how i would if i was doing like a narrative film where like you're uh, foreground on their face is going to be like neg fill and then you're going to have the light coming back behind them a little bit um, and it worked out how I wanted so that's cool cool um, the next image is uh, also coffee related <laughs> yeah yeah I had a feeling uh, but, this would happen yeah yeah but uh yeah shoot us through your your image here sure okay um, so shot with the a7 4 50 mil one for the uh, sigma um, and ISO 6400. Okay, so I was roasting coffee. For those of you who are not on YouTube watching this, if you're listening, I highly recommend you go check out the YouTube to see these images because there's a few of them and we're going to talk through them. But uh, it's a self-portrait. Um, I figured if I was going to just get after this challenge, I might as well uh, capture what I'm spending a lot of time doing at least once and why not do it for the first one so i thought it was fitting for black and white because my house i don't there's a lot of different colors and colors really meaningless in this type of image for me um so black and white seemed to work i turned down basically all the house lights if i remember or they were either off or dim because i can dim them all uh and there is a window behind the roaster so left of frame but it's not putting out a lot of light because the sun would be on the other side of the house anyway so i'm using this tiny little ulanzi light here um probably similar to what you used and set that thing right about where my left arm is in frame so bottom of frame pointing up towards my face a little bit um to light me and that's that's about it as far as technical setup i was on a tripod um obviously um landscape orientation yeah and i'm just roasting coffee there's not much else setup involved except 
the one of the things I wanted to try was, I don't know if you've ever played around with using a uh, picture profile shooting in raw, like it doesn't matter in post, but for setup for black and white, it shows you in on the viewfinder, the black and white image. So when you go and import it into Lightroom, it reverts it and you don't see the black and white anymore, but it's easy enough to convert and just keep going with that workflow. I kind of wish it like stuck a black and white profile somehow on there that you could play with, but it doesn't. Anyway, I thought it was really cool to tackle this challenge, activating the one of the black and white picture profiles on the Sony camera. Depending on your camera, you may or may not have access to something like this, but I thought it was really cool to be able to like compose only with black and white in mind, not being able to see in color. And I know from watching Thomas Heaton's videos, he does a similar thing, but with aspect ratio. So he'll change his aspect ratio because he often likes to shoot square to one by one. And in camera, it shows him a one by one. And in post, it delivers him a one by one. But if you go into the crop tool, you can revert it back to the full three by two which is really cool. And that's kind of why I was hoping Lightroom would kind of deliver me a black and white first that I could revert if I wanted to. But anyway, that's the setup. I approached it with the black and white picture profile just to kind of get an idea um, during the visualization and setup. And I'm really happy with it. I like the the lighting on my face, the textures, and I'm, I'm in it, man. I'm roasting. So yeah. Yeah, right on. I'm uh, I'm going to do the opposite of what you did and instead of being nice I'm going to be mean instantly. Pick why it do apart. you think I why do you think I hate this picture? I have no idea. Why the fuck did you put this picture in 16 by 9? <laughs> Sorry. It's 16 by 10. I don't know. 16 by 10. It's okay, 16, okay. I I crop to 16 by 10 often and I don't know. I hate it. I can't tell you why. <laughs> I don't like 16 by 9. I think it's too narrow. I, sh I often crop in 16 by 10. Um, no, no, I, I no, can probably I, tell I, you I, why, I actually. I can probably tell you why. Sure. Uh, above the fridge is uh, where was just some random stuff on top of the fridge in that corner there. Plus, I have a light not too far above that. And it was probably on and dim that I didn't want affecting the image at all. So cut right off at the top of the corner of the fridge. Yeah. No, the the frame is actually good. I just wanted to give you shit for no reason. Uh, I I do like it. I think I think it being pretty symmetrical is pretty cool. Um, it's like that that moment of uh, I don't know, like either looking into the void or like face to face with a beast, right? Like it's it's that vibe. It's good. Yeah, I um, mean, and also if you can't tell, I'm I have the trier out, so I'm actually smelling the coffee. That might not yeah. be super uh, evident, but that's what's in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've watched enough of your bullet. Uh, a Leo or whatever they're called, uh, yeah, yeah. Leo, yeah. <laughs> uh, videos, but yeah. yeah, no, it's nice. I like, uh, I like black and white, uh, leads for dramatic portraiture. I think just so well too. Oh, sure. Um, I, I have a, a book idea I've been wanting to do for years. It's just going to take like too much effort to do, and it's going to be a lot of portraits and I just like am ready to do, you know, full, beautiful, shallow, amazing, uh, black and white. Yeah. Really I want to see gritty. it portraits because it's just so good anyway uh yeah well done man it's, it's pretty good it's it's hard to self-shoot it gets kind of tiring and it kind of sucks some of the fun out of shooting for me yeah so um so yeah i'm glad we were both able to pull off some kind of self-shooting and make it uh worth our time <laughs> yeah it was fun yeah yeah again so this next image comes from Charles, somebody in the photography group of uh, Ian's uh, Discord for Collector Emitter, which is a fellow uh, guitar pedal demoer. 
Um, and if I remember correctly, it's a relatively old image, but uh, I do really like it because it's it's a uh, it's seeing a bird in a way that you don't normally see a bird. Sure. And um, I I could imagine having color in this image would be fine, but I bet it just would be it would fall so short. It would feel like a snapshot. And I, I think, think color uh, wouldn't be helpful anyway. Yeah, 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 totally. It might actually it's, distract uh, from what's obviously the focal point here. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose, why don't you describe for listeners what we're looking at? So it's just a close-up of some talons on a bird. And I don't know what it is about. This could be a black metal record. This could be like a, a book <laughs> cover. It's it's just the right, just the right amount of interest that makes you want to know more. And it would lend itself well to some sort of cover art of some kind. Big fan. Two-thirds of the image, if you didn't see the top third of the image, is totally abstract and out of focus. You wouldn't right. know that they were feathers. You wouldn't know that they were part of a bird. It's it's just uh, you know a mash of somewhat linear grays. You look at the top third of the image, and you get some fringing feathers and the talons and the the detail in the talons and the striking darkness in the actual talons themselves contrasting against all the light gray of the feathers that's what's interesting here plus we're looking at this from a an angle where you would normally never see like many of us aren't up close with birds in the first place but we're it's not it's it's got to be in flight right like it's or or jumping or something because it's not yeah. sitting on anything right Right. So yeah. we're looking at talons that aren't grabbing anything. It's clearly probably in flight, which is interesting. Like, oh, you think about it for a second. This bird is probably in motion and probably quickly getting from one place to the other. So having caught the image like that is very cool. Not many images I've seen like that. Yeah. I don't have details of it, but it's nice. The, oh, you uh, don't? Okay. I, I, I like that the... Um, I like that the talons are so dark and then everything else is basically muted and, and brighter. Uh, it's good. I don't know. That's, yeah, it's Charles, if you're listening, I'd love for you to comment on the YouTube if you watch the YouTube or send us a message or something and give us some details because I'd kind of like to know the setup of this. Pretty uh, pretty good stuff. Yeah. Uh, moving into the next one. This is probably our uh, most, um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Not reliable. This dude listens to the dang <laughs> podcast let's go with that this is this is another guitar buddy of mine uh fabian okay and all right just picked up this helios cine modded um so it's a cine modded helios 44m with the uh i think it's got the blue and it's got the oval um behind the aperture and everything and uh on an a7 III and just did some self-portraiture, which is, I'm sure you know, very difficult with uh, not having a flip screen yeah. and uh, manual focus. Definitely. So, but it's the Helios doing the Helios thing. Um, yeah. I think the I think the exposure is brilliant because it it's really bright great. in the background. Um, yeah. The this is exactly how I would light this if I was shooting it, and it's a self-portrait. So I, I love this this photo. This is also Fabian's. Uh, um, Instagram profile pic now and it, yeah. it should be <laughs> it should be it should be this is wonderful um, the processing on this is very nice I'm a big fan of good contrasty black and whites 
because clearly you have some nice bright whites in the background. You probably looks like you're in the woods, but the Helios is doing the Helios thing. And you might not be, but it looks like you're in the woods, maybe with some trees behind you. So you've got like the light filtering through the trees. Uh, the bouquet is just absolutely magnificent. That's what that lens is known for. Um, and the just the detail in the face and the in the expression it's it's great for a profile picture i love it great shot when you when you knock out the sharpness on your subject with a helios and it's not soft and you still like absolutely obliterate the background it's just magic i think one yeah. of my favorite photos i've ever taken of my father was uh my original helios 442 on a speed booster on a gh4 and i still love that photo of him um because most of the photos i have of him are being an absolute goober and this one he isn't yeah sorry yes that's just a great point because like you said there's no flip out screen so the best he could do is use the remote function on the app and see from his phone if he was doing this that he was at least composed correctly but it's probably it, I, I wonder how many takes this took to get this sharp of or, a shot. Or it was an external monitor. I know he does a little be. video stuff. Oh, yeah, so it totally. Could be, it could totally. be that. But, but not, um, I'm not going to say that this is easy either to way, do because spaniel yeah. focus and shallow depth of field on that lens, I know that's got to be difficult. You got to do this thing. Yes. And and then you got to do that thing and then still look like you're just like naturally posing mm-hmm. rather than like stiff it like where's the focus? <laughs> Back and forth a little bit. Stop and go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's I, a great shot. Done that. Yeah. I like it. Well Big done, fan. Fabian. Yeah, thanks for uh thanks for the sub. Um and then I I just I just put all of uh, Ian sent us 3. Okay. And Ian's the all dude. Right. So uh they're all film. So it's three film mm. shots, which is fun. And it's all different film. So uh Oh, He's been poking around. He, All right. He has a yeah. I, I wrote down what he had. Uh, he had emailed him that way. So this is new classic Easy Four Hundred with his Yashica Electro Thirty Five. Just doing some street photography architecture stuff. Um, looks like the it was stopped down a pretty decent deal because you could you could really clearly see the back building through this like this little cove through two buildings or maybe it's like the stairs of an apartment or something. Yeah. Um, but, I think that's totally fine too. What's what's oh, yeah. what's in darkness here is totally acceptable because you have this leading line from what that piper railing or whatever that is going through this alley into what's behind, which is a building with some windows that you can actually see into. And the sky isn't like super blown out. It just is what it is. Yeah. I like this. It's simple. Architecture yeah. can be super hard. Yeah, it's good framing. Um, framing the other building from yeah. this like foreground building. Yeah, it's cool. I'm into it. Nice. Um, this uh, this is like a super New York shot for me, but it's uh, it looks like it's JCH, which is Japan Camera Hunter, I believe, Street Pan 400 film um, with the Yashica Electra 35 again, and uh, it looks like a window washer bucket. Oh, true. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure at first. I was like, is it raining? I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm guessing it is. Uh, you know, dark window or a dark staircase maybe in a, in a building, uh-huh. maybe his work building, maybe an apartment building. I'm not sure, but um, pretty good. Uh, I like the lines. I, I definitely wanted to pick up some Japan Camera Hunter film at some point. I just, I am still on a almost year old uh yeah <laughs> ultra max roll so it's not mm-hmm. worth it for me it's cool man it's cool um going on to this which is ilford delta and iconica c35a okay um 
And a little soft, a little bit more abstract. Yeah, definitely. Uh, cinematic, old old movie vibe. And I'm trying um, to figure out what exactly it is we're looking at. Is it a sign of some sort with a lock box is, or some electrical box, it looks like? I don't think maybe. it matters too much, right? Yeah. Is it the ass end of like a drive through Possibly. Like a dr- yeah, <laughs> I got possibly. Nothing. That's um, what that there's. Okay, so for listeners, this is on on a pretty abstract level, left and right, pretty out of focus because it looks like he's stuck the camera through two pieces of some something, some barricade of some sort. So you're seeing through, but you get that on the left and right of frame, and looking through, there's it, some metal object that looks like it could be the back end of a very old order drive through from a restaurant type of signage of some sort with what looks like a electrical box or could be a you know speaker box uh, for that setup um there's not much else that's super identifiable about this so again looking at a lot of lines uh, vertical horizontal a couple diagonal um and the abstract nature of it is what's intriguing you're trying to figure out what's going on yeah I uh, I definitely appreciated having uh, multiple different film stocks. Uh, they definitely have yeah. a totally, totally different vibe from each other. Um, sure, and it was pretty good. I I like looking at other people's photos, and I think that we should do this more. And Absolutely. I think more people should participate because it's a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for uh, sending us some photos. Obviously, we're not a very big podcast, but we're here vibing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh I'm I'm glad we got some stuff sent in. Shout out to Ian's uh Discord because that is basically where I chat about photo stuff other than with you. So <laughs> Sure. Yeah. No, this was a lot of fun. Um uh I'm sure we'll get to what the next one is. I would love to see some more people involved. Uh seeing the film is really cool because it's not that just that you shoot on film. There's obviously more work involved, and the intention is there, regardless if it's abstract or super literal. I love to see it. So, yeah, great shots, everybody. For sure. Um, I think I'll probably take the week, and we'll maybe discuss what we want to do for the next one. But okay. um, probably do. I was starting at doing like middle of the month because that's when I originally announced it. But we'll just do end of the month, so we'll give all of yeah. June uh, the opportunity to uh, get some shots out and stuff Sounds like that. So um, I'll watch some some more content and stuff this week. Maybe see what people are doing and try to get into something yeah um cool but nice uh i think from there i was gonna ask if you had anything you wanted to talk about from your wedding shoot or anything i have some other topics if you do not uh i mean uh, it's it was a pretty um tra- i mean I went, it's not a traditional wedding because it was a 10-year renewal they've been they've been married for a long time one of the things that was notable to me that i happen to notice every time but this one in particular when a wedding or something like this just runs super smoothly, every piece of the timeline and that there is a timeline is so important that it all runs so smoothly because um, 
these clients had the forethought to hire a professional wedding coordinator and use a very professional venue that has experience working with a coordinator. And this coordinator almost solely exclusively works with this venue. Um, there's a big, if you're planning a wedding, know somebody who's planning a wedding, please, please encourage them to hire a wedding coordinator that actually knows how to get shit done. This is one of the things where if they do not have one, it makes my job, uh, it makes a photographer's job, all vendors' jobs hard, not knowing what the timeline is. I've shot weddings um, that I won't name where somebody's aunt or uncle was just planning on telling the DJ what's going to happen next. And then the DJ has to like, okay, I guess we're announcing that and try to wrangle people around. It's a mess, um, especially when you have over like 100 people uh, on your guest list. So please, um, for everybody's sake, guests included, your sake, just hire a wedding coordinator who's got a little bit of experience. Because I was sent a timeline of events weeks in advance, uh, probably at two months maybe. I was sent a shot list, which is amazing when you have 140 guests and half of them are family members they want included in family photos right group photos so not only did i have timeline and a shot list but i had a person who knew all the faces and names who was designated as the name caller the identifier the person wrangler for this so we had this timeline where we go from one thing to the next and my coordinators bouncing back and forth between me and the videographer and the caterers and all the people going, okay, this is happening in the next five minutes. This is happening in the next 10 minutes. This um, Maxwell's going to take you down here. Go, go scout this for five minutes. Come back. And when that time comes, he'll take you and the bride and groom back down there. So important to have a professional on the scene for that. So it just all went so smoothly. Um, I have known these people for a long time. They know better. Uh, please encourage your people to get coordinators. It just makes life easy. Yeah. I'm not going to throw shade to people I know in real life, but I know somebody who desperately needed to do this um, and didn't uh, very recently. And then the last wedding that I was in as a part of the wedding party was Evan and Hopes. And the whole day was like flawless. Yeah. And having having somebody that just crushes it, especially because like there was a venue and a boathouse and they were right. like both involved. There was a, a ton of people. Um, yeah, it was glorious to see somebody uh, or to see something like that come together so well. And, uh, and there's it's, it's like magic when really nobody's is. upset and you're just like, yeah, because then it's just a party. It really and is. it works. And when someone else is handling the like high pressure stuff like food and where your entertainment is, how they're set up and all those things, what's left is basically your wedding party and your guests. That Those are two, two, two parties that your wedding coordinator cannot control. When that's, when that's just what's left on your plate, all you really can control is your wedding party as, as let's say a bride and groom. You, you get people's ass together, you know, go get this, go get that you know, and then wait for the cue for the wedding coordinator for whatever's coming next is if you just have to worry about drunk guests or something, that's great because that's just every wedding. If you don't have to worry about like where the food's at or where your DJ's at or whatever else is going on, that is so much pressure lifted off your shoulders. You need to be looking for wedding coordinators, please, please, from a photographer, from a vendor, do this. It's wonderful. Yeah. Heck Yeah. 
Um, well, that's dope. I I definitely want to probably get into shooting some small, maybe elopements or something again. I like weddings, man. I think it's good vibes all I do around, too. especially when they're good. Uh, big fan of them. Uh, hopeless romantic. Big fan <laughs> of of love and uh, you know togetherness. <laughs> yeah, everybody. No one comes to a wedding ready to be pissed off and grumpy and in a in a. I mean, some people just happen to come to a wedding in a bad mood. Whatever, they may be having a bad day. Everybody's got good vibes. Drinks are flowing. Everybody's just happy, and those are great. Like I say, great moments to capture. I, For my weddings, I don't tell my clients that I do this, but I do this. I, I think I've mentioned it on the pod before that I go and get a pack of instant film. And I brought my Polaroid this time. I found some film at Target because Target's usually pretty good about this. Walmart, get your shit together. Get some film, Walmart. Target, got some uh, black and white eye-type film for my Polaroid. Um, and I went and delivered the whole pack. It, all of them turned out pretty nice. A couple of them out of focus, a couple of them blurry. But what I always tell my clients with these, this is kind of like my signature thing. Not, not many other photographers are carrying around an instant film camera for a wedding, a pro wedding job. But I think it's super cool. But I always tell my clients at the end of the night, I know they've had a few drinks or whatever, but it's about the moments, not the technical. The the These, these types of cameras are super finicky and you can't control much so whatever you get is what you get and i'm not going to just not hand over a blurry photo it's part of the moment so one of them in particular it was a pack of i think 12 images one of them was um two older kids pushing their younger uh sibling on a swing there and it was just like one of the cutest moments and I had a couple of images like that. They're just great moments. Maybe not technically perfect, but you want these moments captured. And that's what I was able to do on film. Of course, I got them on digital too. But they were able to walk away with those 12 images that night and just be able to share them around with people. And some of them were just absolutely hilarious. And that's just just good vibes. Absolutely. For sure, man. Now I'm going to crush the good vibes. Have you played with the Photoshop beta? No. Nah. What's going uh, on? Have you seen anything with a generative AI? Wow, generative AI and uh, the new Photoshop beta. I was hearing some things. Uh, why don't you tell us about it? So basically, and you can go into your Creative Cloud, go over to beta apps, and you can download the beta, which just added a feature, which essentially allows you to use your marquee tool or your you know lasso tool and just type in a prompt to replace things in your image. <laughs> And it's kind of fun, uh, but it's also it. It's fine. <laughs> oh, it, it's uh, there was a lot of wild stuff. Like photo Twitter is a weird place because I was like, oh, this has to be like god tier level because like everyone's losing their mind about it. And then uh, a, a buddy in my same industry that I, I work for, he's also a photographer. He made this insane image of like I think him and his daughter at a recent like event. And he's like, yeah, dude, generative AI is is the future, man. We're all out of a job. And there's like a giraffe and like a spaceship and like lightning <laughs> coming down. And it was like the most chaotic image ever. He said it took him like seconds to produce like <laughs> and it all fits like there's there's been some examples where it worked out really well and it was very impressive. I played around with it for a couple of hours just watching the, you know, binging The Mandalorian yesterday. And uh, I'm not so impressed with uh, 
everything about okay. it. But it is it is pretty wild. Uh, there's going to be a lot more like comped images. I think people are going to utilize the heck out of this. You can change hair. You can add hair to someone who doesn't have hair. Wow. Um, sometimes it looks pretty solid. Uh, a lot of the examples for the marketing makes it look like it's freaking game changing. So you're it's saying in Photoshop, there's a dialog box where you can both marquee out subject, select whatever you want, and then type in what you want Photoshop to do to the selected area yeah like like marquee around my my hairline and be like add luscious blonde hair and it would do its best job to fill that up with uh pretty good hair um getting more detailed is worse but it also will cycle through a couple of options which is pretty neat um i've seen some really incredible ones where somebody just wanted their like hoodie to change colors and it like changed the color of the hoodie it changed the reflection off of their headphones and like added a little beard hair <laughs> or something that was one that i randomly saw on twitter i can't remember who it was but um so it looks like it's like the start of something pretty powerful to do what would normally take somebody who's relatively ill-equipped to comp an image in photoshop to just like go bananas mm-hmm. um it's pretty wild. I still, I, I'm not scared of AI at all, but no. <laughs> uh, it like made people crazy. This is not the type of AI to be scared of. And like you were uh, getting on there, this is just going to save a ton of people time. Um, those who are even very experienced with carefully selecting subjects, which is also something that's gotten much easier with uh, just good tech. I'm not even going to call that AI. That's just yeah. just good Sensei technology. or whatever they call it. <laughs> whatever it is, uh, it, it is going to save people time because that's one of those things where you have a vision in your head. Maybe you want to change a blue sky to a dramatic sunset sky. That's something you've been able to do in Photoshop. It's always been possible, basically. It's just a lot easier to do now. And there's, um, whether it's generative or whether it's pulling from stock or whatever, we've had the neural filters and that. Um, It's just something that gets the job done a lot quicker. And maybe it takes some of the creativity out, but it certainly takes some hours of workout for certain individuals who need this so it's cool this is not doomsday technology this iteration of this type of ai we don't have to go down that rabbit hole but like you said i'm not scared of this either and i think there's a lot of people that i think were super anti-ai while people were just doing mid-journey stuff who think this is incredible um the general the general vibe i've got from twitter was that people are like I've even seen people comment on this and say, wow, AI was the worst thing ever and scary a week ago, but now with Adobe added it to Photoshop and people are like, AI is sweet. Um, and, it, you know, people are just going to talk. There's going to be commentary forever. But yeah. uh, I did find it interesting. I, I, I recommend you check it out. Um, you know, between that and like better denoise and all this other mm-hmm. stuff, none of it's really changing how I approach photography, right? Um, they're just making things happen where i will be met with a challenge in an image that i have and want to use and now there's more tools to fix them that's absolutely or do something right. with them yep. and that's how it's always going to be because i'm uh, an enthusiast for photography understands that i'm not i'm not out here just looking for image like wild pictures that are generated and made it's photography it's moments in real life and that's the creation is important to your soul like for me right that's yeah yeah yeah. and and that has always been a separate 
subject than like wicked Photoshop like compositions. Those are dope. Those are really cool. Yes. But I don't I don't really I don't put a lot of time personally into them because exactly. like I don't I'm not looking at a bunch of fantasy art and all and all this other wild stuff. It's not uh, how my brain functions. It's not what yeah. I like think I could do. And I, I there's absolutely a skill in it, but you're right. There's it's yeah. a different different place. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean I I get why people are reaching for film right now. They want something that they assume is just unedited real moments and like good photography. Um, I don't think this is a different conversation than it's been the last 20 years. Right. It's, it's fine. You're definitely right. The the conversation of going back to analog and whatever form it is for whatever medium it is, whether it's music or, or photography or what have you, that's always going to be there. It just will be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check it out. It's it's pretty sick. I will. Um, it's it's definitely a fun. Uh, I'm kind of bored and want to meme around with some images that I've taken. Yeah, sure. uh, kind of tool. You could do some silly stuff. There was one guy who who did this funny funny reel that I saw. Um, I wish I I remembered who it was or whatever. It's just some photographer on Instagram, and uh, he was like taking it really serious, and it wasn't a joke. And he's like, "Yeah, so this generative AI is super super impressive with the new Photoshop beta." And he goes and starts editing himself, and he just looks like I don't know, like Mr. Potato Head meets yeah. one of those really bad like magazine cutout like yeah. collage things. And but he's like acting like it's super good, and That's super fantastic. serious, and it's just absolute garbage. <laughs> It was it, but the reel was also shot really well. Like he shot sure. it with a mirrorless camera, and it was like a super high quality meme. All right. I was uh, I was pretty pleased with that. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I think I'm gonna kind of just like zoom through some gear stuff this week. We had a, a pretty full episode so far. Sure. But uh, first, I want to start with the new confirmed gear and see if you have uh, any thoughts on them. We'll go relatively fast, but. Uh, starting with the ZV-1-2, very stupid. They called it the ZV-1-2. Should have been called the ZV-2. I'm not surprised. Uh, <laughs> like I said, this is like how they're doing with their stupid phone names. I hate it. Stop it. <laughs> ZV-1-2. Um, it's it's $900. This is a way cooler camera if you want a small vlog camera than all of the other vlog things that they have. 18 to 50 is pretty sick. Um, it seems to be mostly fine it doesn't have uh optical or uh in-body image stabilization which is kind of a pain um it's got electronic which i guess works fine it's got it's got decent decent electronic um gerald had some stuff about how unless you kind of crank your shutter up a little bit you can get some really weird warping um motion blur stuff it did seem better than the jello-y versions of other cameras in that lineup in the past oh yeah Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it reads out fast, so it was it's, like twelve it's milliseconds or something, like yeah, super fast readout. Yeah, it was super cool. Um, this is where I want to see a vlog camera if people are actually buying these things. Um, between the Sony vlog cameras and whatever that Canon thing is, uh, I I didn't know and. Everybody making the content other than just like shilly kind of people that yeah. just like, this is the new camera I got to try out. Uh, they're like, who who's vlogging? <laughs> who, who asked yeah. for this? Like people are people are using their phones, dude. Like my yeah. phone is sick for vlogging. So um, much anyway. content too is, is for TikTok and Reels. So much of it is vertical too. There's not a lot of people that I know walking around with a camera on a selfie stick shooting landscape for like, there's, there's, def, there's definitely YouTubers out there doing that. 
Don't get yeah. me wrong. But there are a lot of people just holding the phone out who are not going to spend another thousand dollars because yeah. they've got the tool already. You know, I can't take credit for this one, but Tyler Stallman said Canon blew it on that little weird vlog thing that they had by not making it open gate. Yeah. If that thing was open gate, so you could just set it up because it has its own little kickstand and just a big red button in the front, and you could do a vertical out of it or a horizontal and made it like a even a one by one sensor or yeah. just like an open gate three two or, or I, a, a four three sensor would have been nuts. I was listening to Jared's podcast talking about the same thing. He wasn't mentioning open gate, but was like, why isn't the sensor just rotated the other way for the way the kickstand is? Because most people who are interested in doing that kind of content, the way that the way the camera looks. If you just stand it up on the stand, it looks like it should shoot vertical that way. Yeah. It's a very odd looking camera and it doesn't look like it's going to serve um, this this like missing. It it doesn't look like it's necessary. This thing. Oh, they it's, made. it's it's super niche. It's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's I fun. don't know. I'm I'm sure somebody's going to use it and like it, but not me. I, I, I hope this was like a season of vlog stuff because there's some juicy stuff that I want to get into and I want to sure. see some camera people make. But like this next camera, which is the Fujifilm XS20. Yeah. Which Fujifilm during the XS10 era released probably the X-T200, all these cameras that were really short-lived. And I've talked mm -hmm. about it on the podcast where I was like, maybe they were like, where do we want to segment? Let's make all of them. All Let's of make it. like every kind of version of these little cameras and see what one sticks. Who did they? This, this freaking camera is sick, though. It's like $1299 or $1399. It does 6K30. It does 4K 60. It's a 24 or, yeah, I think it's a 24 or 26 megapixel sensor, um, the 26.1 megapixel. Um, it's got image stabilization. It's got everything that if you want a full kit for under $2,000 to create some content, I would absolutely be recommending this because you can grab the 23 F2 and either a zoom or another like relatively affordable lens for this camera and it's going to crush it's using the same freaking sensor and the uh processing is all like basically all the other ones right now so like the the most recent two um sensors and processors from fuji are all really good mm -hmm. uh it, it looks like they didn't really cut anything out of this damn thing and uh it's awesome so I, I kind of joked that i kind of wanted this camera if i end up still wanting to go it's 12.99 that's crazy to me Super dope, 6K, yeah. 4K, the whole the whole shebang. Um, it's it's a pretty awesome looking camera. It looks like screen. It. Does the whole deal. Uh, big fan of that. Um, and then the next exciting camera that I will never buy. I have no reason to buy it, but once I kind of I kind of want to get hands on with it, I might even rent it because I think it'd be fun to do like a, this is probably the camera you want if you're looking to do photography and a little bit of video maybe. Um, the freaking Canon R100. Tell me they about this because I completely missed this launch or announcement. Dude, it's less than five hundred dollars. It's four seventy nine <laughs> APS-C, twenty four twenty four megapixels. Nobody's making a camera this cheap right now that does like modern stuff. It is going to have everything. As somebody who wants to get into photography again, this is like the new rebel man. It's got a Digic Eight. It's got a twenty four megapixel sensor. Four um, K twenty four with a crop. Um, but like, I don't really, dude, this is a sub, <laughs> this is okay, sub okay. $500. So this is the pivotal moment where mirrorless becomes accessible to everyone. 
Pretty much yeah. absolutely everyone. Abs- because absolutely. in the end of the DSLR days where mirrorless was really starting to take off, it was only taking off for pros and serious enthusiasts because it's expensive. Um, over a thousand, a thousand dollars is not chump change. It's, it's a lot of money to invest in something that if you're not making money with it, what are you doing? It's, it's a toy basically. So sub $500 is so, I mean, sub $700 is, is insane. Sorry. Uh, Four, 400 something dollars makes this thing basically accessible to everyone where something like the D3000 series, the 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 rebel t series um those kinds of cameras where if they come with a lens or two they're still under a thousand dollars and you've got everything you need to basically go take pictures of your kids or your pets or whatever um and because you're not a professional and you don't need the fastest of the fast or the biggest the highest resolution and all the bells and whistles but you've got the technology of today um, that gets you in the door where you can spend a little bit of money to start learning photography on a modern system. And then let's say you want to invest in better glass. You can do that because that's the better investment first anyway. So you've got this cheap body, but you can create amazing images if you just invest a little bit more money in the glass. Oh, but then you start to get into it a little more. This is how it goes. These cheap bodies, so important. My dude. 599 with an 18 to 45 millimeter lens. That's fantastic. Yeah, this this is going to be the new well, so this one doesn't have a flip screen or nothing. It's like an old DSLR That's screen, fine. like no no articulation, which is amazing. Like if only they had third-party lens like support right now. Yeah. Canon would be like full on knives to throats of almost everybody because yeah. this is how you get people to use your system. I what is the cheapest, like, I, I'm going to look it up. I don't even know what an A6100 is. They're still selling the A6000, I think, which I think is insane because it's just wow. 749 for the yeah. uh, A6100. We're talking hundreds of dollars cheaper. Um, they have okay small lenses. You can still get a cheap, cheap Canon 50 mil. Yeah. RF. And it's pretty nice. I actually like it. I'm actually pissed that we don't have uh, updated like cheapo plastic fantastic 50 mil from Sony because I would yeah. I would have one just to have one, you know, cheap cheap one eight. Is it so crazy to suggest someone get this R100 with the adapter and get some EF glass on this thing because you could pick up some great EF glass and adapt yeah. and it would probably be just fine. I don't know how um, much the adapter is, but that's why yeah, I don't I mean, know if it makes sense the, or not. I, the cheapest one, I think, it can be down to like 100. But I will say some older EF-S lenses um, will have trouble. My mom has an R10. Um, and I recommend, I was like, yeah, if you have some decent glass, she has an old Tamron 17 to 50 F2.8. Yeah. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's going to be plenty for what you need. But the autofocus and stuff, it sure. doesn't even like the thing. Um, if I remember correctly, trying to use it adapted, it like blacked out the screen and you it wouldn't even allow yeah. you to shoot photos. So All right. So you might need to look into that per use case. You'd prob- I'd probably stick to Canon lenses if you're gonna do yeah. an adapter on one sure. of their cheaper cameras. But again, uh they have a cheap fifty. Get that yeah. eighteen to forty five, maybe yeah. get that fifty mil and uh ask any like photographer truly, if you're going to make started. the first investment it's going to be get yourself a 518 it's going to be like the next cheapest thing that's going to make your images look quite a bit nicer than what that kit lens can do and what's sweet is it's not an ugly camera sure 
it like it doesn't it doesn't have like rebel and red or like something yeah. you know so some it doesn't look cheap it looks like it probably is going to be fine yeah um and it's just so much like i wouldn't i was telling people to to get different used cameras or to even look at some yeah. of the nicer point and shoots and all because there has been nothing in this entire realm exactly to recommend people to buy other than a dslr and uh i actually had a friend from college hit me up randomly and she wanted to get a camera and this wasn't out yet this is just days ago right and if that was the case i would say get this in a 50 yeah um i would say get this in like i personally if i was like if i knew what i wanted to shoot and i wanted to get into photography i would go find a freaking used like 24 mil uh l lens and then i would adapt it to this thing and you'd have like a 35 mil f4 like beast mode freaking sure. <laughs> like you know putting an old you could find some l glass super cheap now i believe that um and if i knew that i wanted to take portraits of people and like products man i would go get probably a 50 probably the 51 4 um or just try the rf18 and then i'd adapt a freaking 24 mil yeah um that'd be beast mode because this is going to take 24 megapixel photos it's going to be fun it's absolutely going to be completely workable yeah um this but is yeah, great. Anyways. I mean, the accessibility, the price is so important to promoting the photography community because you you build from the ground up, right? Like we can't sustain ourselves on just releasing products for professionals all the time. Yes, we're going to buy them and it'll cycle through, but we need mom and pop and everybody who's got a couple hundred bucks only as a budget to have an option. And this is finally it. This is great. Yeah. It's sweet. Take a look at it when we're done on the yeah. show because it's it's it looks like a remarkable little camera and sure. it's gonna do what is, what is it with both kit lenses eight twenty nine yeah not bad and you get the eighteen to forty five and the fifty five to two ten see and you'll be able to do what you need you'll get into it <laughs> that's even that's even great I know there's gonna be husbands out there who are gonna grab this for Christmas for birthdays because that's a price range where you would do that that's wonderful yeah absolutely and then the other freaking boss thing cam canon did this week is the 28 mil f28 pancake lens for rf mount full frame oh. 28 mil f28 stm 299 i 299 i desperately want a pancake lens for the sony's you had that like old zeiss like 35 to 8 meh the size was amazing, but like it left so much to be desired. Yeah. Um, I'd love a 28. I'd love a 28 F2, yeah. which would be slightly bigger. But anyway, I'd probably settle for a 2.8 if it's good. Um, this is exciting. I hope Sony gets something like this. That's I want an incredible price. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then imagine a 28 mil, so like a 40 equivalent on that R10, R100. Right. So, okay, you have like a decently fast 40 mil really small compact thing that would take way better photos than your phone see uh, okay z8 news and stuff like that cool but this these yeah. are really good pieces of information good news yeah. good news yeah this stuff this is going to flip the game a little bit like whatever is going to come after the r100 if they do put a flip screen on it and do like the 600 range like yeah. make make the t3i again yeah make make whatever that camera is that will like send Absolutely. the next like whole generation of content creators on the on the platforms mm -hmm. um and maybe that's just an old way of thinking and they're already doing it with their phone and they probably think this is doa but i don't care i'm super excited about it no you should be 
Um, and then there's a couple of rumors that I'm just going to kind of rapid fire because we're, we're basically hitting our time here. But uh, we're talking a potential FX10, which uh, on paper sounds pretty cool. Um, it'll be like a 10 megapixel video only, great for streaming, doing the thing, probably 4K60. Uh, kind of neat. Depending on the price, it might be something that I look into because a, a small dedicated APS-C video, pretty tight. Um the A6700 is getting closer, and based off the rumor specs, I think that might be my next camera. Hmm. Because if it does 4K 120, I don't care if it crops like 1.19 or whatever the f***, uh, I just need that sometimes. Um, reach, because now I'm to the point where with the 2X teleconverter and the 70-200, I'd like a little bit more reach, and I'm not going to do it by getting another lens, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, that would be a great way to do that. Uh, it's probably going to have the FX30 sensor, which is a 26, really solid. Like the images I've seen from stills, even though people don't really use it, uh, Patrick Tommaso takes stills in his FX30 all the time. They're killer. Uh, the sensor's dope. Um, but giving it the AI features, AI, uh, the chip to do all yeah. the autofocusing and make it photocentric while still having a, like a 4K 120, even if it's that, uh, and then potentially 6K 30. This might just be the camera that I go to for my everyday. Um, I would be happy to run the 35 on it because uh, I would just have like a 50 mil on an APS-C. I'd take mm -hmm. that, not worried about it. Um, I would still use my 20 to 70 and I'd still use my 70 to 200. I wouldn't have to change a thing. I would just probably get this freaking camera. Um, all the specs sound good. It sounds like they're going to make the A6000 series uh, body. It's probably the A6600, but slightly bigger. Mm-hmm. They're going to add the front scroll wheel, which is necessary. Hate that. So it'll have all the ergos that I need it to basically have, maybe barring a joystick, mm -hmm. which I'd probably just have to get. Like, that's apparently what people are doing now, and I have to get over it. Um, that'll be the caveat for me. But it sounds like it's going to shoot photos and videos the way I would want a second camera to. I'm I'm dying to have a second camera. Um <laughs> I definitely need 4K 120 again for work. I like having it for ultra slow-mo, uh, especially me. I move fast as hell. So <laughs> um, it's it's necessary, but it seems super cool. cool. And I'm yeah. hoping that... That's exciting. Hoping, hoping that does the thing. When are we um, thinking that might be announced? Is that is something on the horizon for the summer? Yeah, it should be summer. Um, uh, Andre Pizzini also says that uh, there could be announcements for potentially either the a7c2 or the a93 that should be coming like announcing july maybe okay so there's going to be one other bigger camera um i'm not that interested in either i think this if this a67 kind of does what it sounds like it's doing i might prefer it to an a7c2 but they're kind of one and the same for me they're that mm -hmm. like slightly smaller but still super capable camera um, we'll see what happens. I like APS-C. It's fine. I've been running 15 megapixels on my A7 IV for sure. a lot of stuff now, especially reaching out with the uh, the telephoto stuff. I haven't had an um, APS-C camera in a while. Um, and back when I did, the last one I had was the D500, which was great. 20 megapixel, absolute monster of a DSLR back in the day. But earlier APS-C cameras, um, it just is um, a product of its time. They just didn't perform very well. Nowadays, if I were to use a modern one, I'd probably have a different opinion, and I probably would like one. I'm actually kind of interested in that Fuji XS20, and if I didn't just buy the a7C, I would be looking at that thinking, hmm, 
what a nice light second body that could be right um i mean hell maybe this is something for wildlife and stuff dude having that like super reach would be crazy especially if it has good enough autofocus um I started my journey on a 7D because I was lucky yeah. enough to have a hand-me-down 7D, which is way more camera than somebody starting out sure. needs. Um, but then I moved while I was working at the camp six years ago or whenever. I had them get a 7D Mark II, and I loved that camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have uh, probably pretty close to 100,000 photographs shot on 70s. Um, 7D, no. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I like them. So... We'll see what happens. Uh, I'd like to have an even smaller camera that's basically the same amount of capability. So, sure, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, seventy to two hundred f four G two. Apparently small. Apparently macro capability. Oh, probably a vibe. Um, their first one wasn't super cheap, so it's not going to be super cheap. It's probably yeah. going to be around fifteen hundred dollars again. Yeah, but uh, super awesome option, and I hope that they push that design a little bit because that'll kind of say a lot about where they're headed and i'm very curious to see what they do with that um because i love a 70 to 200 yeah uh, the first their first one was a really old lens so i'm, I'm not going to give it too much shit but i i didn't like it when i had it i had it very briefly and i traded it about as fast as i got it yeah and if you've seen images between something like 7200 and a 7200F4. At 200, the difference between 28 and a 4 isn't as big as you might think. If you're considering that range, you should be considering the F4 options that are out there. Depending on what your subject is, uh, you are going to stop down your 70 to F2.8 anyway. Um, the only huge advantage is this, like the Sony is so freaking sharp. Yeah. So if they can match the sharpness, the... Mm-hmm they're going to sell a lot of these and they're going to sell a lot more of them than the almost $3,000 I still love mine to death. Don't get me wrong, but let's see what happens. Making that thing smaller. Yeah, it could be great. Maybe, maybe external zoom, like the, the RF 70 to 200, something like real backpackable. Yeah, that's going to make huge, it super compact. Absolutely. Um, and then the last one is that uh Canon is looking at devising some new types of teleconverters following their rumors of the RF 200 to 500 F4, um, which is going to be an insane lens. Oh, uh, I mean, expensive, fifth, but what a great design. Yeah. Oh. An, an, F, an F4 200 to 500 is going to be like 15 grand, but it's going to be sick. What a and then lens, with, man. With the built-in 1 to 4 teleconverter, and then with uh, other teleconverters, I assume they're going to make it capable with it. Um, you're talking just bananas. Like- Canon Pro <laughs> wildlife shooters, if you don't already have like a 600 F4 or something like that, this is one you're going to want to watch out for if you've got money in the bank and you want to burn it. This thing is going to be a monster of a lens if it comes out to be just like what this says. I, I yeah, couldn't imagine. What's that 40% when you do the conversion on the aperture? Is an F4 or a 5.6? Uh, F4, 5.6. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. It's that or it's not going to be a ton. So, with the built in teleconverter, you're pushing way past 600. Yeah. Um, It's just cool. It's freaking sweet. It it is. Yeah. That that kind of range is so awesome, too. I used to have the 200 to 500 on Nikon shooting on the D850, even on the D500. And on the D500, you know, five. And that's a 5.6 lens, right? Um, 
Yeah, I think it was. Man, what that was an awesome lens. Sharp <laughs> right. as heck. Uh, contrast was so nice. So to have 200, 500 at f4, just wild. There definitely was times early in the morning where I thought, man, I wish I could just open the aperture up just a little bit more because my ISO is already at 10,000 or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it can help just that little bit, but... Whoa, that what was a, a, what that a was design. A fixed, that was a fixed 5.6 lens. That's super cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was nice. A, so, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't got it like that to be shooting a, an R3 with a $15,000 lens, but it's sweet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hopefully once they kind of round out the rest of their, like, stuff, maybe the R1 comes out, we'll start to see them trickle down some of that love to other lenses and things because yeah. uh, there's still a day, one day in my lifetime, when I get real bored and I go back to Canon. And when that day comes, I want to not have to think very hard about basically replacing my kit yeah. with the identical copy of the things I need from Canon. So <laughs> um, they still don't have a 20 to 70 though. And as little as I do use that lens, uh, brilliant, brilliant freaking focal range, 20 to 70. Didn't they just oh, announce a, a super wide though, like an 11 to 14 or something like that that that's been something that's been missing in their lineup for a while uh, maybe i'm they, wrong i thought i just heard that they they announced a, i mean a super canon wide. was the first one to do a freaking 11 to 24 so I don't maybe know. i'm wrong maybe i thought they, that the rf mount was missing something as wide as that for a while maybe, uh 16 to 35 no, I no, thought it was wider. The 15. Who's missing the 16? We're missing a 16 to 35. Oh, uh, Panasonic doesn't have an F28 15 or 16 to 35. That's it. Oh, anyway. Shame on um, them. Oh, yeah. well. Well, they have, they have an F4. <laughs> yeah, and it's sharp sure. as hell. Sure. But, uh, Fine. <laughs> right on. Uh, yeah, it was good to just blow through some of that stuff. I needed to talk about yeah. some of that new gear because it was actually a pretty crazy week for gear. Yeah. Um, We'll uh, we'll have some photo share topic devised for next week. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you guys for listening. Um, you know, go check out the YouTube if you're listening. Go maybe check out the audio version if you're watching. Um, leave us some reviews. Leave us some comments. See what you're you're shooting. What you're excited about. What you had for breakfast. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. Thanks, guys. Next time. <laughs>